Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Nothing special to announce, so I'll just jump right into it. First up is a quick but important one. Someone has just released test software for the Game Boy Advance that allows you to test the buttons and the D-pad. And a lot of times stuff like this kind of gets glossed over because your average user might only use it once or twice. But any modders or anybody testing any kind of hardware, especially things like game stores, might really benefit from this. Because um, especially, at least with me personally, I found a bunch of Game Boy Advance SPs that have bad triggers, which aren't too bad to replace, but it's something you'd want to know about before buying and I would have to load up a game get to a place in the game and then hit the triggers to see if they reacted whereas with this test software I could just slap it on an EverDrive plug it in and within two seconds be able to know if all the buttons work or not so stuff like this definitely uh, is worthwhile to talk about and to share and I also want to remind people that there are ports of the 240p test suite available for the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy. Pinot Batch has been maintaining these and added some very cool features which I usually keep up on and keep everybody in the loop of but I definitely just wanted to take a moment to thank the creator of the D-pad test software and to spread the word because I think that's something that might help a lot more people than if you you know than originally considered. The Wonderswan Flash Masters are sold out again. They sold out pretty much right away. So I just wanted to take a moment to let everybody know what this is and what to keep an eye open for next time. But basically, it's a flash cart for the Wonderswan handheld that allows you to load up a certain specific amount of ROMs to it. So it's not like a standard ROM cart where you drop everything on a micro SD and just select from the menu. Uh, you have to pre-program it with a few and then it'll work after that, like a standard flash cart, uh, but then you would have to plug it back into a PC in order to reflash them. I believe it's the only ROM cart available for the Wonderswan, and it works really well. Uh, a lot of great feedback about it. However, they're manufactured in reasonable batches, but small compared to the demand, so they tend to sell out immediately. Um, I always try to tweet right when they come out, and I always try to post right when they come out. Um, but I'm not really sure of any other way to get the word out there for people. And I know that they are trying their best to get enough out, but there's always such a gamble to be taken, especially when you start skipping across the minimum quantity orders. And as somebody that's done hardware design and products uh, sales and stuff for a very long time, I completely sympathize with that. You know, getting them made in batches of a thousand might be cheaper than a lot cheaper, actually, than in batches of a hundred. But what happens if your demand is actually only 300 and now you have 700 sitting on a shelf somewhere? Or what happens if the manufacturer messes up and there's a problem? Now you have a thousand to go through and repair and not a hundred. So I do understand not just ordering the biggest you can get and, and leaving them on the shelf, um, but I do hope that they at least realize the demand that seems to be out there for these and would consider pre-orders or something for next time. 
But uh, at the very least, check out their website for more details on the card itself, and I'll keep everybody posted the next time it goes up for sale, and hopefully it'll stay up for more than a day. Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just reviewed a vertically oriented Game Boy Advance SP case replacement. Uh, I've seen pictures of this floating around for a few months now, and I was really curious to see what it would be like. And Tito did a great job, as usual, just putting it all into perspective. Um, I'll kind of run through it super quick for anybody that just wants the basic overview. But before I do, I got to remind everybody that this is very expensive. I do not think it's overpriced but it is expensive. So before you get your hopes up, this isn't some $20 case replacement. This is like $120. Uh, but basically, you take the guts out of a GBA SP minus the screen. So this is a good candidate for the non-backlit ones or ones with broken screens. You stick it in this case with an IPS screen, and then you have the choice of adding a different type of uh, upgraded rechargeable battery. You could add a USB-C charging port, Port that also works along with the standard charging port. You could add a headphone jack that does require a little bit more modding. Tito said he was going to do a different video on that at some point. So definitely subscribe if you're uh, to him if you're more interested in that. Um, I'm not sure if I'll do a follow-up post just for the headphone jack, but I know I myself am pretty curious to hear his thoughts on it. And overall, it just looks really cool. I mean, from the front, it looks exactly like a cross between an SP and an original DMG, or I guess maybe Game Boy Color. And on the back, it still has the kind of fatter bottom to, uh, so that the triggers are still up there. And overall, uh, Tito seemed to really like it. And, and uh, I think it looks amazing. And I think anybody that wanted a vertically oriented Game Boy Advance should at the very least check out the video. Um, then you would really have to decide if this is worth it for you. If you were planning on getting an IPS screen anyway, and you already have a GBA SP, especially if you have one with a busted up case, this seems like a really cool candidate for it. But if you don't own any of that stuff yet, I don't know. It's up to you if you want to spend all that money. But either way, I enjoyed the video. And I'm, I'm, if I was somebody that played a lot of handhelds, I think I would definitely buy this one. Um, well, I wouldn't. I don't think. I would definitely buy this one. And I think I would love it. But I really do prefer to play on CRTs for retro and flat panels for everything else. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the GBA stuff does seem to translate well to flat panels, especially with scan lines on using like the GBA consoleizer. So, um, you know, respectfully to the team that makes this, handhelds just aren't my favorite thing. But if they were, I, I would be checking this one out without a doubt. Vitor Vilela just released his hack for race driving for the Super Nintendo, and I can't even begin to describe how I impressed I am at the unbelievable performance difference. So for anybody unaware, Race Driving was a port of an arcade game that I think started out as Hard Driving, then was Race Driving. I can't really remember which one that I used to play as a kid, but I definitely remember playing it every single time I went to the arcade timeout because it was the only arcade game that was a driving sim that allowed you to use a clutch and a stick for driving. So I just always thought that was so cool. I always loved loved cars and loved anything manual like that. And I don't remember when the first time I played the home version was. It might have actually been later on in life, but I do remember just being horrified at how terrible and how slow it was. Uh, and I, I probably wouldn't have known something like frame rate when I was a kid, but it's it was definitely noticeable. I might have said choppy or slow or weird or something like that. And if you could see anybody watching the video, um, 
you could see the side-by-side -side comparison between the new hack and the original. And Vitor was able to increase the frame rate by an insane amount. I mean, you might as well add a zero on to the, to the end of the original. But overall, the game just felt smoother. The controls felt better. And for the first time ever, I was actually able to sit and play this. And I... I actually really enjoyed it. I spent a lot more time with it than I thought I would. Now, it's not the best racing game and it's not the best drive sim ever, but if you ever wanted a really great proof of concept for what exactly could be done when you're offloading the processing power of the Super Nintendo onto a different chip and able to go in and, and tweak it even more like Vitor did, this is just about the best example you could ask for. So please check out the post for more info as well as the video showing exactly uh, the differences between the two and of course if you're a fan of Vitor's work please consider signing up for his Patreon because uh, I believe that really allows him to focus a lot more on this stuff and he's teased a few other games that he was thinking of doing I um, I always try to refrain from getting excited about this because it's so easy to go oh great you finished that now do this you know without taking a moment to recognize the insane amount of hours <laughs> that go into it so I'll just say that he is definitely planning other games and I think we'll all be excited when we see the results a really interesting beta prototype was just released to the public of the game Dinosaur Planet, which was a game originally scheduled to be on the Nintendo 64, and then it was put on hold and eventually released on the GameCube as Star Fox Adventures. And that's really the big deal here, is you get to see this game before it became a Star Fox game, um, and basically how it would have looked on the N64. And it does work on original hardware. I tested that myself. You might have to add something to the um, to the save game file of your EverDrive, but it, it is absolutely playable. And it was really interesting to take a look at exactly what this is. So, uh, you know, I'm always a fan of, of these things to see what could have been. Even betas that are broken and unplayable I still just kind of like the glimpse into that, but this definitely is, goes a little further. So um, definitely check out John Linneman's playthrough of it that uh, Chris linked here, as well as Chris's post with all of the extra details. But this is pretty cool. If you're looking for a window of what could have been a pretty neat N64 game that ended up being a Star Fox game, then definitely check this one out. And speaking of EverDrives, Crix has recently released the EverDrive 64 X5, which is essentially going to replace the version 2.5 that he was originally selling, but it's not just a rebrand, it's slightly updated hardware, um, and overall, I think if you're just getting into EverDrives and you want a new one, this is probably the one for most people. Now, of course, you could find used EverDrives from maybe people that have upgraded or something, but if you're just getting into it, the X5 seems like the best choice. Uh, if you own previous editions, I don't know that you would want to upgrade to this one. I don't think it offers anything major over previous. However, the X7 kind of does, uh, and that's been around for a while, but I'll run through real quick the differences between them. Uh, the number one difference between the X5 and the X7 is you have to hold the reset button down and go back to the menu for your save game file to be, uh, to be retained after powering off. So if you play a couple hours of Mario 64 and just hit the power button, that's all going to be erased. You have to, when you're done playing, hold reset and wait to go back to the main menu and then it saves and then you could power off. So the X7 does not require that that just automatically saves. And I believe an older version of the cart uh, doesn't require that as well, but this one does. And to be honest, I got so used to it, I just do it anyway, even if you need it or not. 
The other two differences aren't nearly as important for most people. Some probably will. Uh, the X7 also has a USB port for developers, which I imagine would be incredibly handy if you're looking to test parts of a patch or parts of a, a game that you're making or test software or anything that that would allow you to have direct access to the EverDrive so you don't have to constantly just be moving SD card and back just to test a couple of little things on there. Um, and also it has real-time clock support, which... When I was writing this post, I tried searching for a list of games that use the real-time clock, and the only one I could see is Animal Crossing and then um, its Japanese equivalent, but I thought it was pretty interesting that not many games were able to use it, So, uh, or maybe just that one. So if anybody knows in the comments, I would certainly be interested in seeing what people use the real-time clock for, um, and if there are other games that utilize it. So if you don't care about those three things, the X5 is cheaper, which is why I think it's the best for, for your average person, because the price point and the features really do match. Um, and, you know, it just works exactly like all the other Crix carts. You just plug it in and it works, which I think is absolutely excellent. The only other thing to add, a, a little pet peeve of mine sometimes that this cart does not have, uh, you're able to access the micro SD when it's still plugged into the console. So if you're like me and you're trying to test a bunch of stuff uh, and you're going back and forth and you don't have the USB port, you don't have to constantly be unplugging and replugging the cartridge. You could just access the micro SD right from the side. So always happy to see Cricks uh, find those little details like that. And I believe the X7 is the same way. So anybody interested in an uh, N64 ROM cart that you don't already own one and you want a new one, the X5, I believe, is going to be for you. If not, check the features and see if you want to buy the X7 instead. The company Analog has just put out a press release with a whole bunch of updates and, uh, and news for stuff coming up and stuff that they didn't talk about. So I'll run through all of this pretty quickly. First, Analog has released both regular and jailbreak firmware updates for the Super NT, Mega SG, and the NT Mini Noir. Um, and there's a ton of bug fixes and little tweaks involved in that. So if you have any of those consoles and you are having issues, check out Alex's post and see if there's anything in here that really jumps out. I always like to just update anyway to see, but um, you know it's up to you. If you have a console that's working perfect and you already have all your, your settings tweaked, maybe don't update because then that resets all of that. And then you would have to, you know, it might actually be more effort. Totally up to you though. Check that out. Uh, they also said that they're working on a few different things involved in sales. Now they did not mention the pocket or the duo. As far as I know, uh, I believe there's the info hasn't changed on that at all, but I guess we'll we'll see by the end of the year if we have either of those products. But they did directly address the sales of the DAC, the Super NT, and the Mega SG, and they claim that they're trying to get all of those back in stock soon, uh, which is cool. And they also claim that they're trying to prevent just straight-up scalping of the product, um, which basically... In this case, I would define scalping as people that do something like use a bot to be able to buy them and then take the receipt that says they have a pre-order and put that on eBay and tell people to basically bid on how much you're going to give them for the product you don't already own yet. And to combat that, they're trying to put things in place on their web store that reads bots and gets rid of that. And also they're trying to, they claim that they're going to go after people on eBay who are basically selling the receipts like that and uh, selling products they don't own yet. Uh, I'm actually, just my opinion, I I'm happy about that. 
Um, you know, it, it's my, once again, opinion that if you own one of these products and you're done using it, and you sell it on eBay and you set the, you know, set the price at a hundred bucks and let it bid. It doesn't really matter what people pay for it because you didn't mislead anybody. You didn't do anything funny. You're done with the product. Sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you make money. It is what it is. That's fine. Um, but I do really look down on any people try to, that try to really get in and take advantage of other people. And we of course saw that big time a few months ago with the new Xbox and PlayStation releases. You see that in every other industry. Um, a lot of people get really upset when I talk about it, but maybe they're the people trying to rip people off and that's why they're upset. I don't really know, uh, but I definitely think there's a big difference between that. I think it's up to analog to really help combat this, the just blatant scalping of this. Um, and it would be nice if they put a little more effort into keeping their products in stock so you don't see the prices skyrocket for legitimate sales. But hey, it is what it is. You know, it's their company and, and they want to, they're going to do whatever they're going to do about this. Um, also, as usual, I got to give my hats off or take my hat off to Chris Tabor. This press release would have normally flown under all of the radar of everything out there, especially something like a firmware update with bug fixes, yet he still was able to get major publications that aren't retro gaming focused to talk about it. I don't know how he does it, but always impressed and always got to give a shout out for that because you got to admit those are some pretty, pretty awesome marketing skills to pull that off every time. So hopefully we'll have more info on the Duo, which I think might be my favorite of the consoles based on what it might offer. Um, and the Pocket, which a lot of people were anticipating. And if you're a handheld fan, that could be a really awesome thing, obviously, once it's in our hands and tested to make sure it performs as we all hope. But uh, hopefully they'll just update us on that soon enough. So for more info, check out Alex's post and we'll, we'll of course keep everybody updated of anything nerd related firmware updates, uh, pre-sale dates, prices, and anything like that. Retro PC fans are going to be really excited about this one, but someone has reverse engineered a 3dfx voodoo card. And in fact has then made their version of the unreleased Voodoo 5 6000, basically based off of specs and things that they'd seen online. Now, before I even get into this, this is going to be like a $1,200 thing, I think. So, you know, if you're excited about old PC stuff, definitely take a deep breath because this is not for everybody. But somebody wanted to basically create what would have been the best 3DFX Voodoo card um, and something that people who play a certain type of game using a certain type of computer would absolutely go nuts for. And apparently this recreation of the hardware performs exactly like original hardware with original drivers and all the other settings for it, including some of the weird bugs that the originals have, proving that it really does work one-to-one -one as the uh, original would have been. So this is a really interesting project that, to be perfectly honest, even if you're not so into retro computers, maybe you think they're cool, but you know don't really want to invest a lot of money into it, I'd still read Vanessa's post on this because it was just very cool to see the differences and details. And, um, and it was also neat to see something that never was, but, but now is, I don't know. I mean that in a nice way, obviously. So, <laughs> uh, any old PC fans, even a little bit, check out the post because this is really impressive. And another cool thing for old PC owners that's much, much more affordable and even open source, uh, somebody has released a project called the Voltage Blaster, which sits in an ISA slot and has a voltage converter on there that 
converts power to negative five volts. And it's actually interesting because the way ISA slots work, they all share the same power pins. So if a device like this were to plug into one and take five volts and convert it to negative five volts, that negative five volts on that pin would then be shared through the rest. So this is a really good idea for people who have older computers, but more modern power supplies that do not supply negative five volts. And of course, there's a bunch of other ways that you could go about doing this from custom power supply hacks to just a ton of other stuff. But overall, I think this is a pretty neat thing. Uh, I don't have any old PCs and I don't have any way to test this. And as always with any power product, not anything directly related to this one, it's just always a general statement I make be very careful when you're messing with power because something could seem to work fine and next thing you know your equipment's dead. So um, while this seems like a perfectly good idea and safe to use, I would always just do a little bit of checking on your own exact setup, the components that you're using, other cards that are in there just to make sure. Uh, but if you do have any equipment like some of the Sound Blaster cards that require negative five volts, something like this is necessary. The only other thing that jumped out at me is I'm wondering how hot that voltage regulator gets. There's a chance it doesn't even get hot to the touch, but if it does, it would have been cool to see it uh, affixed directly to the ground plane of that um, just for more heat dissipation. But once again, without testing the product, maybe it's cold to the touch when it's running. I have no clue. Uh, I just try to give my thoughts on this stuff in case anybody else out there can elaborate a little more. And I really don't mind being wrong about this stuff too. If somebody comes back and it's like, no, you idiot, of course we tested it. You know, it's it's room temperature and perfectly safe. That's good. I love being wrong in situations like that. I just wanted to make sure to keep, or keep everybody aware of what could always go wrong in any product that involves power stuff. So if you're a fan of old computers, you might want to consider making a few of these and building them yourself, or maybe just uh, seeing if Phil would sell any of them. I, I think he said he wasn't going to be selling them directly, but maybe they'll team up with somebody, a store that'll stock them just to make it easier for people. One last thing I wanted to talk about before going is Smoke Monster and I did a live stream last Sunday that used original Capcom CPS2 hardware, Capcom Play System 2, with the CPS HDMI out from Marcus, as well as the Darksoft multi-kit, uh, a custom super gun um, that's hopefully about to be released from Tian Fang, and... Uh, also, I had my Vulix stick, but we basically split the output, so I was playing on a CRT, and I played on a smaller one, so it was easy to flip it for vertical and horizontal orientation, streamed everything through the CPS HDMI, and we really did it for two reasons. One, the, the main reason for me was to hype everybody up for Hotego's upcoming CPS2 core for the Mister, um, because I just think that's going to be so cool, and it might it might be what people consider the coolest thing available on the Mister at the moment. Of course, that's subjective. If you're a, a Genesis fan, that adoptive, com adoptive, adaptive composite blending might be your favorite thing. If you're an old PC fan, being able to use a 486 is probably your favorite thing. But if you're an arcade fan, this might end up being your favorite thing at the moment. Who knows what's coming next? So I, I wanted to hype that up. I also wanted to show some love for the crazy people like myself that still love original hardware, even though a lot of these recreations are getting to be near one-to-one -one or one-to-one -one or better in some cases. Um, but there's just something about certain games or certain platforms that I truly appreciate using original hardware. And even with alternatives, I don't think I would want to use that to play it. Now, 
that could be nostalgia, that could just be nerdiness, wanting to know that I'm playing on the original, but it's not performance-based, that's for sure. A lot of the stuff that I'm talking about performs perfectly on the Mister, and even some stuff through software emulation. But yeah, if you're even the slightest bit interested, please check this out. Um, uh, I'm looking at the stream now as I'm talking, and it seems a little pixelated. I don't know how I could get my streams to uh, to look any better. But I will talk to friends that definitely have more expertise in this because I want to get these streams looking as good as possible and I want to keep doing a bunch more. And we have a couple more planned uh, coming up. So hopefully you enjoyed it. If you want to see an example of what will soon be uh, on the Mister, check out this stuff on original hardware. And of course, we'll let everybody know when Hodeko's cores go live to the public. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody that watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and of course, and especially, thank you to everybody that supports in any way possible. The monthly services are certainly appreciated, but if you're not in a position to do that and you want to help, there's still a bunch of different things you could do, including just going to retrorgb.com forward slash support, clicking on an Amazon or eBay link, and buying something that you were totally going to just buy anyway. But now you pay the same exact price, but we get, you know, a fraction of the penny <laughs> for, for every purchase. It adds up, though. So uh, all appreciated uh, any kind of support whatsoever because it's keeping all of this alive. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.